What's going on, my beautiful people? We are here. It's Thursday. You know what that means. Another great day here inside the Black Actors Studio. I'm your host, Danny Royce, and I'm extremely excited about my guest today. Joining me in the studio is a triple threat legend and one of the most recognized faces in the industry. Don't move a muscle. Tune into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome. It's Thursday. We are here inside the Black Actors Studio. Thank you so much for joining me. My guest today is an incredible talent. He has been in the industry for God knows how long, but has so much wisdom and so much creative talent. It's a triple threat singer, dancer, actor. You've seen him in Dear White People, How High, John Q, For the People, and the Emmy Award winning actor awarded in The Bold and the Beautiful. The Black Actor Studio is very proud to have Oba Babatunde. How you doing? I'm magnificent. Thank you so much for that kind introduction. Oh, of course. Of course. Thank you so much for being in here. I've been a long-time fan. My family as well. My mom, shout out. Right, shout out to mom. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful. That's great. I'm, I'm spectacular. You know, um, everybody that uh, went to sleep last night with the intention of waking up this morning mm-hmm. didn't necessarily do that. Yes. So I had the blessing of waking up this morning, so I have identified that there's a reason that I'm on the planet today right. to do something great. Right. And that's what I'm here to do. That's awesome. And, you know, I've, I was looking forward to this interview because I just know, uh, just speaking with you and your your wisdom and your whole perception on life is just exactly like what I love and what I'm drawn to and exactly why are my intentions of bringing this this show to everyone mm-hmm. and just in uh, inspiring and motivating people to, to do what they want to do and to live that life so you're a great example for that, of that well thank you very much you know what like you said it's, it's really you know all of us in, in one way or another mm-hmm. I believe we're in the business of servitude yeah. doesn't matter what you're doing somehow you're in the business of servitude. Mm. And so to the degree that you can service someone to the best of the ability, and I think one of the greatest forms of servicing someone is being able to empower them. Right. And that's what you're talking about doing. Yeah. And you're doing that. So I'm thrilled. The reason I sit here is because you, you, you pose an, an invitation, mm-hmm. but also we had an opportunity to talk. Yeah. Right? And in that exchange came about something that was special. Yeah. It was like this is an individual I'd like to be around. Yes. Somebody that's doing something, that is about something. I'll say to your to your mom, because we had mentioned <laughs> the fact that you mentioned your mom was a, was a fan, yes. that, um, uh, if, is your mom watching? She probably is, yes. Okay, let me just. share with you something, <laughs> just as, as a compliment to you. Your son is a representation of good parenting. And that's probably the highest compliment that I can pay to you. Well, so. <laughs> you probably made her cry. So, true. <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Um, and so, in the studio, I always like to start at the beginning. Where were you born? Uh, I'm originally born in uh, New York City, mm-hmm. um, but um, it's, it's, it's a great question and deserves a great answer. Yes. So, I'll do my best because I identify the fact that. I was born onto a planet, Mm. not into a community. Mm. Therefore, my citizenship is that of the world. Yes. Okay. That the 
that the planet is my birthright. Yeah. You know, um, you know, people get into this thing about uh, some superior ethic to where one was born. Mm-hmm. That just happens to be where mom drops you. Yeah. You know what <laughs> right, I mean? Right. You, had, you, you can't really take too much credit for that. Right. You know right. what I mean? Is as I see it. You know, I understand hometown pride, mm-hmm. and that's great. It's mm-hmm. wonderful. But you know, I think that that if we start out by that by, by colonizing ourselves from birth, yeah. that well, I'm from this. You know what I mean? That as opposed to, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a citizen of the world, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And having traveled around the world and put it to the test, that's true. Right. Because no matter where you go or where I go, there we are. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> and I also want to get into uh, your your name change as well yes. and how that came about. Because uh, you were born Donald Cohen, right? Right. So... What, when did that uh, transition happen for you and why? Well, my mother was very progressive, and Oba Baba Tunde is a direct translative of my Anglo-Saxon name. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, it's really the same name, but in terms of doing the research as to the origins of where my ancestry is, mm-hmm. is it, it was both in both in Nigeria and the Gambia, mm-hmm. you know, which is where most northern black Americans... Uh, their their roots are right, right. because of the slave trades and where things came about. Mm-hmm. So that was it. Um, uh, it's really interesting uh, because um, my Anglo name is that was the, in is the highest name in the Jewish faith. Mm-hmm. So when when studying and going back and doing the research about the 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 uh, the lineage, um, I was really interested in finding out how that came about. And it did reveal itself in terms of the ancestry of blacks. And we somehow, you know, when you use the terminology uh, Jewish, you know, you have this specific image. Yeah. And, 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 and it's not necessarily that. It's yeah. not necessarily so with that. And um, Babatunde, though, means, loosely translated, the spirit of the grandfather has returned in the child. Mm. And my oldest son making the fifth for the last five generations, all the firstborn in my men in my family have been all been born the same day, the same month. Wow, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. So uh, yeah, yeah, we keep coming back, you know? <laughs> you know? and so so it, when when I make a, a joke about it, you know, because people always go, oh, there's two reactions. They go, wow, that's really interesting, or really interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, 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 but I, and so I say, you know, to uh, the lady says, oh my goodness, how, how did that happen? I said, well, I'll just tell you this. Is, don't stand too close to one of us at a particular time. <laughs> right, <you>. right. <laughs> <laughs> you already know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> Great. So, uh, how was the uh, dynamics in your household growing up with your, your parents? And um, You know what? Um, mother and father. Yeah. You know, raised in a two-parent household. Um, wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother, as in uh, many of our males and in, 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 in I've spoken to over the years, uh, we, we saluted your mom today yeah. for a reason, you know, um, had really this great influence on me. You know, my mother was a tough lady. Uh, my father transitioned when I was 15 years old, and at mm. that day, I became a man-child. Mm. I was the last person to talk to my dad, and he said, you know, very hardworking man and a man's man, if you will, said, uh, you are the man of the house now. And I was like, no, Dad, 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 Dad. And that was, that was interesting because I became a man-child mm-hmm. on that day. Right. But with the wherewithal of a 15-year-old, later in life, 
I had to overcome certain things because I believed with the, with the wherewithal of a 15-year-old that that meant that I had to take care of everybody, and that translated itself into my life. Yeah. And ultimately, I was con- finding myself being responsible in my adult life for everybody in my surroundings, mm-hmm. and that's not my responsibility. Right, right. I learned that my responsibility is to, not for. Mm. I'm responsible to share information, to treat you in a particular way, not for how you deal with that. Yeah. And so that was a valuable lesson that I had to learn, and I share that with others because so many of us will get into that sense of, you know, as males particularly, if raised in, 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 a, in, a, in a home where it's like, well, I got to, you know, be the man and I'm going to, yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. You know, you get into this, this, this thing, which is a perception that mm-hmm. was through an indoctrination, maybe not fully realized. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of the things that I had to learn and it helped me in my own growth and development. Wow. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a lesson definitely worth learning. <laughs> you know, sooner or later, and I believe a lot of people need to learn that. Um, so how was schooling growing up? Uh, and I wanted I to talk about, like, when you, you felt the need to perform, when that acting bug, so to speak, bit you. Well, you know what? I think that... Um, I see my career as a calling mm-hmm. rather than a job. Mm, yeah. So that I believe that these gifts, you know, I often tell people when they say, well, what advice would you give if you were giving advice to an actor or somebody wanting to be in the industry? And I said, remember that they cannot take from you what they did not give to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Your gifts, your talents, those are given to you. Mm-hmm. I believe they were given to you by God. Mm-hmm. And it is up to you to develop those gifts and talents. Right. Okay? But no one can make you talented. (laughs) They they can't make you have a great singing voice. Right, right. They can't make you a great actor. Now, they can present you and and, and put you in the industry, when I say they. The industry can put you in a position by which you're given the opportunity to express those gifts and talents. Exactly. You know? But your gifts and talents... I believe, are given to you. So, to, to, to address your question, uh, I came here with this, and I knew it from a child without consciously knowing it because I was always doing it. Mm. As with be most people. Mm-hmm. You're singing and dancing around the house. You're yeah. giving shows, and, you know, you're doing <laughs> things. And it's not a new story. Right. You know what I mean? You right. can identify, and I would respectfully suggest to parents, if you see... Your child, not just in aspects of entertainment, Mm -hmm. but what is it that they enjoy doing? What is it that they're called to doing? Then support that Mm -hmm. because that's probably what they're going to want to do or probably end up doing. But it's certainly which will probably be giving them the most joy and happiness yeah. in their life. Yeah. And I have so many parents say, oh, my God, my my son wants to be an actor, and my daughter, she wants yeah. to be a dancer. <laughs> and I, I said, well, what would you have them do? I want them to have something that's secure. Stable, yeah, I, said, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Are you interested in your child's happiness? Well, of course. That's why I want them to have stability. I said, well, you're assuming that financial stability is what's going to make them happy. Mm, yeah. Suppose they had all the money in the world, and they were unhappy. Right. And they didn't feel fulfilled in their life. And they didn't identify that what they were doing in life was what was giving them the most joy. Right. Then they wouldn't be happy. Yeah. So now are you pushing them toward what you really want them to be in happiness or your perception of what you oh, believe 
is going to make them happy. Right, right. And so I say to parents and encourage them, when you identify what it is that your child loves to do, mm-hmm. they, they show you. Yeah. Encourage that. Invest in that. Give them the lessons in that. If, it's they, if they love cars, put them in a situation where they're going to... Dis- because everything that was created inside of the box has already been done. Mm. It's only a duplication thereof. Right. But greatness comes from outside the box. Mm-hmm. There's a difference between that which is good and that which is great. Right. In my own opinion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's very true. And what, I mean, what's your opinions of, uh, like, you know, social media now and that being so big and people are wanting to imitate others? And like you said, people are born with these certain gifts and talents. But I feel like a lot of people see the talents and gifts of someone else and want to Im- imitate that and not really expressing their own that they were given. I'm watching it very carefully mm. because I've, uh, you know, well, I, I, I was going to say I've been on the planet a long time, but, <laughs> but, 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 which is true, yeah, you yeah. know what I mean, relatively speaking. But I also say that it's not how long you've been living, but how long you've been paying attention. Mm. And that's why we got some young, brilliant people. And some old fools. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, because when the the attention stops being paid, then you stop growing. And I believe you always have the ability to grow. But I've been watching the social media aspect very closely because it's a powerful industry. Mm -hmm. It is an industry. Yes. And remember, every industry is designed predominantly to do but one thing, produce a product for a profit. profit, That's what industries do. Mm -hmm. So holding an industry to some superior moral ethic is very dangerous, mm. okay? You know, so I, I, I don't uh, hold social media to any superior moral ethic any more than I do the entertainment industry or anything else. But I am noticing that uh, because where are um, younger individuals are now being born into the concept of social media. Right. And to your point that they're looking to emulate, mm-hmm. imitate, they're not necessarily finding themselves right. what their gifts are mm-hmm. and what makes them great. Mm-hmm. And that can be very dangerous. I also have spoken to a lot of people who are in the, uh, into the major aspect of social media for the sense of, of, of connecting to others. You know, the terminologies are very interesting. You know, mm-hmm. Facebook friend yeah. to someone that you don't know. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know, you know, I mean there's the, these terminologies, words are thoughts mm-hmm. and thoughts are things. Yes. So be mindful of what you say. Right. Okay? All right, because what you say is true for you, not necessarily true for me. Mm-hmm. Okay? So we have to identify that. But there is an aspect of social media which reaches masses of people around the world in an instant. If that's used for positive growth, that's a great thing, isn't it? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But there's so many people that I know, I notice that people are bumping into poles and trees <laughs> because they're walking down the street with their phone in their hand yes. and they're paying yeah. attention more <laughs> to their phone and then they're causing themselves injury. Right. Or they're feeling unvalidated because someone didn't give them a like. So now they're measuring themselves by someone's opinion of whom they do not know. Right. That's interesting. Right. So we have to be careful. Very careful. Yeah, that can be damaging. Wow. Um, growing up, were there any uh, any plays or shows or films that really inspired you 
uh, in the industry? Um, well, uh, I'll tell you. I'll answer that in this way. One of the things that inspired me to want to do what I'm doing mm-hmm. is I saw a movie called Tarzan. Mm. And I saw a man with a loincloth, no language, who swung from one tree to the next with a half-hearted yodel. But somehow he was able to communicate with the indi- more than the indigenous people, animals, and everything in the land. Mm. Now, at that time, when I was growing up, if somebody said, as to a, one black person said to another, you're African, those were fighting words. Mm. Fighting wow. words. Wow. So it made black Americans disassociate themselves, want to disassociate themselves from the origins of their of their 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 their, their, their culture. Mm-hmm. It in, reinforced in someone else's mind, perhaps, that simply because your hue was different, that somehow you were superior to those who were of a darker hue. Mm-hmm. And I said, wow, if one movie could have that effect on that many people, that's an industry that I might want to be involved in. Wow. And so I made the, 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 ch- the choice conscious choice and I often say in, with a smile that I don't know whether it was confidence or arrogance <laughs> and I guess you would have to identify the person that was on the other receiving end of right. it but to play the quote unquote alternative black man mm-hmm. um, to give us see because I grew up in, in, a, in a community where there were doctors right. who looked like my family right. there were lawyers that looked like my family the innkeeper the butcher Mm-hmm. The mailman. These people who had these jobs and were professionals, mm-hmm. and they looked like me. Right. But I wasn't seeing that represented in the larger media. So I said, well, maybe I can do that and remind people that, you know, we too exist. Right, right. And therefore encourage and inspire others. Mr. Sammy Davis Jr. was a great influencer. Mm-hmm based on the fact that he did everything. He was one of the few blacks that was on television at the highest levels who did everything. So I patterned my style of entertainment around that. He acted, he sang, he danced, he played musical instruments. So I did all of those things. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, I had an opportunity to meet him in 1978. We both were doing world tours. Mm -hmm. And we proceeded or followed one another into the different venues around the world. And I remember uh, I was co-starring on a world tour with Liza Minnelli, which is a show that changed my life Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of entertainment. And um, we were opening, uh, we were performing at Harrods, and it was our last night before we went on our world tour. Uh, Mr. D, as I affectionately refer to him, (laughs) was opening the next night, and she knew I was a fan. And he, it was a knock on my door, and she said, oh, but uh, Sammy's here and he wants to meet you. And like most performers, I said, well, I'd love to meet him, but I want him to meet me after he's seen me work. Mm-hmm. Somehow, again, 
whether it was arrogance or confidence, I don't know. <laughs> but, but she says, well, he's not going to stay. He's, his gums are bothering him, and he would like to meet you. So I came in, and I introduced myself to him, and, and he said to me, he says, well, you know, uh, my gums are bothering me, so I'm not going to, and our obligation is always to our audience, and I want to be at my best tomorrow. But Liza tells me you're marvelous, and we'll get a chance to spend time together as we're doing this tour. Mm-hmm. I said, great. Then we did the show. In the middle of the show, I come off for a costume change, and Liza's dresser, Helen says, Liza says to tell you that Sammy stayed. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Wonderful. Long story short contest. After the show, I hear in the hallway, uh, great show, Li. Marvelous, hun. Uh, where's Oba's dressing room? Knock on the door. I said, who is it? It's me, man. It's Sam. <laughs> wow. Okay. I opened the door, and there he stood. He looked at me, and he says, you, my man, are a bitch on wheels. A bitch on wheels. I'm telling you. And he came in, and he began to give me all kinds of wonderful compliments and praise. Wow. And I said to him, Mr. D., I want to thank you, sir, for coming in through the kitchen so that I could come in through the front door. Mm. Wow. Tear ran down his face. Wow. He hugged me. He said, thank you for that. And I said, no, 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 I'm sure you hear it enough. He said, I could never hear it enough. Mm. Wow. I became close with him, and I was with him until his passing in 90. I learned a great deal from the man. I learned humility, mm-hmm. or how to deal as an entertainer with humility. Mm-hmm. He was never too busy to shake someone's hand. Even if he was rushing someone and says, please forgive me, I've got to go. But he would look you in your eye. It didn't matter where you were on the realm of the call sheet, if you will, Mm-hmm. You were a member of the team. Right. So much I could tell you about him, and that's another show. But that's, <laughs> that was one of the individuals who I patterned my style of entertaining after. Right. But there's so many others because there was, you know, this is a great James Earl Jones. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, I mean, I could go down the list yes. of those because these were real talented people. Oh, yeah. They weren't manufactured talents. They weren't created by the industry. Mm. They could stand on a stage. Yeah. Yes. With no cut and retake, mm-hmm. when they opened their mouths, I also had the ple- ple- pleasure and privilege of portraying Mr. Harold Nicholas mm-hmm. of the Nicholas Brothers. Yeah. He and Fayard Nicholas, you know, two of the greatest men to ever put on tap shoes, you know, mm-hmm. but also great humanitarians, the humility that they possessed. It was a certain time, and when those entertainers, because they were really talented and they didn't have the opportunities that present themselves to us today, they really came forth yeah. and gave it. So when they rose to the top, brother, they had gone through a lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I love that. That's incredible. I mean, I just remember when, I, when we were speaking, and it's just the fact that you... You know, thanked me for my time speaking to you. You know, not a lot of not a lot of people do that, especially of you know your stature and things like that. So it just it's it speaks volume, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's it's great to to see that. Um, and so, Dream Girls. I want to talk about Dream Girls too sure. because I want I want to know like exactly um, how you took that project on and your <laughs> and your um, your representation of it. Yes. And, and, and your vision of it and well, how that became about. I'm, I'm very proud 
of Dreamgirls the musical. And yeah. I have to make the distinction because there's a difference between the musical, the Broadway right. show, and the film. Right. Not to disparage the film, but it's a different project than was the Broadway, the Broadway musical. musical. Yeah. And I was part of, and proud to say, part of the group that created that mm-hmm. because it was created in a workshop. It was at that time originally called Tom Ion's Project Number no. 9. Mm. Tom Ion was the writer and the lyricist. Okay. And he wrote the libretto. Henry Krieger wrote the music. But the show was created and built on the talents of seven people in the original cast, which was the women were Shirley Ralph, Loretta Devine, and, of course, the great Jennifer Holliday. Yeah. Ben Harney, mm-hmm. Clevant Derricks, Oba Babatunde, and there was a guy, his name is Don Correa, mm. And he was the only white guy in the show. <laughs> and when we started this as a workshop, we were all the characters. We played everything. Right. All of the choreography that Michael, the great Michael Peters created was, was on us because we were all triple threats. Yeah. Okay? Right. Jennifer Holliday was 19 years old. Wow. Okay? <laughs> and the maturation of that show and how it came about is a phenomenal story. You know, because it really, much of it... See, what Dreamgirls is, is those characters are compilations of many people. Mm. So it's historical. Mm. So that when you see James Thunder early, everybody said, well, that's James Brown. Well, it wasn't just James Brown. Mm. It was the soul singers of that, the male soul singers of that time. Okay. So when you hear, you know, fake my way to the top, and he say, ah! Yeah. That's James. Yeah. Yes. But that's Little Richard. Little Richard, yeah. Okay? When you hear, I want you, baby. Mm-hmm. I want you. Yeah. And I need you, baby. Okay? Hey. Sitting on the dock. Yeah. <laughs> see, see that, that's, you have to understand, that's Otis Redding. That, yes, and then yep. Joe Tex. Uh-huh. And Little Albert and the True Tones, Little Anthony Imperials, the Four Tops. So we took compilations. Many people said, well, it was about the Supremes. No, it yeah, wasn't about right. the Supremes. It's, the, it's about a group that would have rivaled the Supremes. Mm. Because how many girl groups and guy groups were there in that period? Right. A lot. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. There's so much. You know, I'm very passionate about that show. Yeah. Because my blood, sweat, and tears went into that. Mm. Mm-hmm. And it's a very powerful thing. See, what Dreamgirls is, told in its best form, in my, in my opinion, is an indictment against the racist practices of America against blacks in the music industry of that time period. Right. Right. But told in a brilliant way. Yeah, I agree. It revolutionized the American theater. It was the first time that a, a, a set piece moved 360 degrees revolution on stage without an individual touching it. Mm. It was the introduction to to automating how things that all shows use now. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was one of the first times to to the to Michael Bennett's. Genius and Michael Bennett did not cast the original uh, six of us. Oh, okay, we were cast by Henry Krieger oh, okay. and Tom Ian. Got it. Okay, the the the, the aforementioned. So, um, but Michael came in and directed the Broadway show. Okay, mm. so um, 
And to hit with his genius, he had Thierry Munzer, Robin Wagner, and Theoni Aldridge mm-hmm. work together. That's wardrobe, costume, and lights. All worked as one. Yeah. It was brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. And it affected change in people in a particular way that I'm, you know, maybe with the save uh, Hamilton had not been seen until even now. Right, right. Because it was visceral and it was historically accurate. It was. You see? So, 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 <laughs> so, and you had real talent on that stage. Each one of those individuals that I've named, and then the subsequent members of the cast that joined the cast, the ensemble, every yes. single one of them, brilliant, brilliant, and have gone on to do other great things. Mm-hmm. You know, Mr. Charles Randolph Wright, who is now a recognized director, he directed um, um, the, uh, the, uh, the show Motown, mm. was a member in the chorus of Dream Girls. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so that you saw the origins of that talent. You know what I mean? It was a it was a different time. Right. And so we pay homage and we pay respect to all of those individuals who who were who really and I, I mean I had a, a great time working with them and building something that I believe will stand the test of time. Of course, definitely. Speaking of Motown, uh, you also you know portrayed Barry Gordy in Temptation. Yes. How was that for you? Uh, you you were a big fan of Temptations, right? And, yes. and Yeah. And so how was that? It's into that life. Well, it was wonderful because uh, Mr. Gordy and I, we have a joke, you know, whenever mm-hmm. we see each other out, he'll say, hey, it's Barry Gordy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, very generous to me. Mm-hmm. Um, long before Dreamgirls, I uh, I did, well, no, after Dreamgirls, as a matter of fact, I did uh, here in Los Angeles, I created uh, the title role in the musical Jelly's Last Jam, mm. Jelly Roll Morton. And Mr. Gordy came to see the show and came backstage and sat and chatted with me. I was so honored that he felt my talents merited something that he would be willing to come back and have a conversation. Right. So when it came upon the opportunity to portray him, you know, um, he okayed it. Mm. He said, yes, I I okay, I give over Baba Tunde the nod. Nice. And, and so I did the very best I could to portray him. And so now it's interesting because they've heard the name Barry Gordy for years, but they haven't seen Mr. Gordy. And people will come to me, right. oh, my God. Right. I, was in, I was in Toronto, Canada. I'm walking down the street. I was doing a movie there. And a guy walks by and he goes, oh, man. Oh, God, it's Barry Gordy. Listen, man, listen. Give me a moment here. I have a disc, man. You have to check it out. Listen. I said, said, no, no, no. I betrayed him. No, man, I know you're trying to keep a low profile. I know you're trying to keep a low profile, but listen, man. Let me get my disc. The man ran to the car. I continued to walk. He came back with a CD. He said, please, man, Mr. Gordy, just give it a listen. I said, all right, I'll check it out. Well, he just accepted it. Wow. And so, I mean, a lot of people see the glitz and the glamour of movie stars and and things like that but also um you know the the challenges and the 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 struggles and the personal demons so to speak um that we go through in the in the industry is there anything that you you dealt with that kind of was a struggle in the beginning and you kind of grew um so to it, take up yeah no uh, uh you know what i I, I talked to you about this when we when we have a conversation about balance. Yes, yes. And what I mean by that is that if you make the industry the total of your life, and as I said to you before, industries are designed predominantly to produce a product for a profit. Right. So if you make any industry the total of your life, I would assume that 
your balance, your life is going to be out of balance mm. because you're looking for something from an industry which is designed to produce a product for a profit to validate you. Yeah. So I, um, uh, for, fortunately for me, um, my validation did not come from the industry. And um, I did not look to the industry for validation. Mm. I appreciate it. I have been awarded, and I am humbled by those awards, and I, and I thank those that have felt that my work was meritocracy of being awarded. Yeah. But I am, and I always say this in my acceptance speeches, as thrilled as I am to receive the award, I am more interested in the reward. Mm. And the reward is hopefully that somebody will be a repository of the work that I've done right. and be able to be inspired by what I've done. Right. Because I was saying this as your do is not necessarily your who. Mm. Your do is how you affect change in your life. Your who is how you affect change in someone else's life. Yeah. And if you can affect change in someone else's life, then your living has not been in vain. There was a woman named Alma Smith who most people would never know who she was. She happened to be my best friend's mom. Mm-hmm. And one day, I was having a difficult day in grade school. And for whatever reason, I was my head was hanging down. And I remember this like it was yesterday. And Mrs. Smith took my chin in her hand, and she lifted it up, and she looked into my eyes, and she said, It's going to be okay. You're special. And for whatever reason, I heard her, and I believed her. Mm-hmm. And I sit before you today as that man who was that child that someone took the time to tell me that I could be. And therefore, we all have the ability to be a Mrs. Smith in someone's life. Mm-hmm. You don't need anybody's permission to be great. Right. You don't need anybody's permission to inspire somebody. Right. And so your do is not necessarily your who. Mm-hmm. I have appreciated the awards. I hope that I continue to be able to get be given the opportunity to present the kind of work that would be merit another one. But it's the reward yeah. that I've somehow touched someone's life along the way, whether it's through entertainment, making them laugh, making them cry. You know, I've been blessed to be a part of some wonderful projects. Philadelphia yeah. was the first time that I believe that I know of that... The great Jonathan Demme afforded us the director, along with Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, Mm -hmm. Jason Robards, an amazing cast, Mary Steenburgen, that we got an opportunity to represent those who were suffering from the HIV infection with a sense of dignity and to see the humane, humane person in that and not just the illness. Right, right. I did a movie which was my first Emmy nomination primetime, Miss Evers Boys, Mm -hmm. which I am so proud of for many, many reasons. One of, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, again, Alfre Woodard. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, 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 Joe Sargent was the director of that. The great Ossie Davis, Mm -hmm. Joe Morton, Craig Sheffer. I mean, we had an amazing group of people that, that was harnessed to tell the story. A story that nobody really wanted to tell. Right. Who wants to tell a story about black men with syphilis? Right. That was went on within our lifetime. 
This thing went on and was continued because they said it had to, the study had to go on until completion, which is a technical word for death. Mm-hmm. That a country would do this, would allow this? That a country would allow this? Right. When they already had the cure? The Oslo experiment that happened in the 20s, they found out about penicillin, but they said they wanted to see if it was the same in the black male. Right. But because of that film, the president at that time, Mr. Bill Clinton, after seeing that film, came out and gave an apology, a formal apology to the families and the survivors and gave reparations. Right. So I was a part of something that I believe did something good. Right. See, that's what I love. I told you in the beginning when you asked me the question, what inspired me to do this? That if I could do something in this industry that would encourage, inspire, enlighten, shed a light on it, that I, my living, my living has not been in vain. Right. Wow. That's incredible. What, um, what would you say? Um, I, I want to get into like, uh, the aspect of before you take on a role. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, how do you prepare there, are there certain things that you do, like certain rituals or habits that you do to prepare yourself for the role? Well, the first thing that I do with any role that I portray is to try to make sure that I portray him as a fully realized human being. Mm. A fully realized human being. Okay. As opposed to a caricature or a utilitarian, you know, I'm a mailman. Well... I said your dues, not your who. So when you, if I if, if I'm finished delivering the mail, am I still just a mailman? Right, right. You know, and it's not just a mailman, but am I only a mailman? Right. Who is that individual? So the first thing I do is I do my research and I in, investigate and I do the work that takes me to be able to identify what is a real human, a fully realized human being. Well, I look at myself. Who was his parents? Mm-hmm. You know, and I go through all of that right. stuff. Did you have two parents? Did, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite? And then I often tell actors when I teach the master class, you know, that, you know, whether it, it, it actually, whether you ever see it in the movie or not, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. It will inform everything that you do. Right. Because yeah. you're a fully realized human being. Mm-hmm. Now, because I tap dance, before I go on stage or before I... I start doing this step. And that just gets my energy. Yeah. And I go into a zone. No different than, a, a you know, you see baseball players, and right before they do something, they, you know, they do yeah, this, and yeah. they, they have a system. That, so it puts me in that frame of gotcha. where it is. Gotcha. You know what I mean? So I create that vacuum. I leave Oba, and I become whoever it is. Gotcha. You know, which right. has been interesting because people have said, you know what? We believe you are that person no matter who you're playing. Uh-huh. You know what yeah. I mean? And I say, that's what I want to do. Good, yeah. That's high praise right. for me. For sure. Know? Okay. Um, is there, what's now, like, um, are you watching anything or in, any shows, like some of your favorite shows on right now? Do you binge Netflix at all? Or? Uh, well, you know what? It's interesting because. Um, I, 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 I have not seen most of the stuff that I've done when it airs. Mm, okay. Because um, I'm doing the work. Right. And then I want to have balance in my life. Of course. So that it, um, if I'm a bus driver, right, mm. when I 
when I get off work, do I want to go drive a bus? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. You know what I mean? So, so, I mean, you know, we spend so many hours yeah. when we're doing this. You yeah. know, I'm on SWAT now, and I'm playing Shamar Moore's yeah. dad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, um, I'm excited because season three is starting. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. And we're going to be getting into more of the backstory of, of the family life of, yeah. of, of Hondo's character with his mother and his father. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very interesting. And, nice. and some good stuff coming. Yes. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, I'm see, I'm see one of the other things I do, I'm a horse whisperer. Mm. I'm a cowboy. Mm. I train horses through horse whispering techniques. You know, I've been doing that for about 22 years. And so that balances me because now the great thing about horses is they don't have egos. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) A little different than the industry, right? Right. But again, it's okay because it's balance. You know what I mean? You know, I'm a dad. You know what I mean? I love spending time. And, and, and nurturing my, my, my son. I have an older son. I have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's another side of Oba Baba Tunde right. than just the Oba Baba Tunde that you see in film and television. Right, right. That person is great because that's not like it's a part of me. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, "Well, that's not me." No, no, no. It's a, certainly a part of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I have to I have to go to work. I right. have to show up. Yeah. It has to be me. <laughs> right. You know, and I mean, I can't phone me in. <laughs> you know what I mean? It has to be me. But it's a part of me. It's not the total of me. Yes. You know, that's very true. Is there anyone? I mean, I, I don't. I'm just throwing it out there. Is there anyone that you haven't worked with that you would love to work with? <laughs> You know, I mean, you, <laughs> I, I mean, that's 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 a that's a that's a tough question. Right. <laughs> Probably the toughest question of the day because I've had this such a, a pleasure yeah. working with so many so many amazing amazing right. talented people and knowing them throughout the years. You know, um, this year makes not counting the no paying low paying. This year will make forty nine years of professional. In the industry of entertainment. Wow. Got to get around the that one. <laughs> incredible. You know, That's so, incredible. So, so you can well imagine I've had an opportunity to come across a lot of amazing exactly. and great individuals. But you know what? I'm always looking forward to working with somebody that shows up. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether they're a veteran in the business or whether they're a newcomer. Mm-hmm. Because when we're playing those characters... We're those people. Right. We're those people. And I want to do great work, and I want to work with great people mm-hmm. who want to do great work. Yes. I get that. Amen to that. Well, I have a, just a, a few questions for you, little fun questions we're going to okay. end up uh, in the uh, interview with. Um, so what's your favorite word? Love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Least favorite word? Can't. Mm. Okay, I like that. What's something that um, like turns you on, and gets you excited? When someone, I, I can do it in more than a word. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> when someone realizes their greatness. Mm. Wow. When someone realizes their greatness, that excites me to no end. That excites me to no end, and so I go forward. In an effort to encourage and inspire someone to identify their greatness. Mm. That's awesome. How about something that turns you off? That which turns me off is when someone identifies... See, the brain works by association, not by logic. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Okay. Works by association, not by logic. We talked about this mm-hmm. in terms of formulating habits. Yes. And every time people talk about habits, most of the time they're thinking about something bad. You can develop a good habit because a habit is that which you do without previous thought. Right. So, and you have the ability to create that habit. We talked about driving and mm-hmm. so forth and so on. Um, so, what turns me off is when someone is intentionally setting out to cause someone else harm or injury. Mm, yeah. Intentionally. That's a real issue for me. It's always been an issue for me growing up. Right. You know, why would you do that? Right. It, it never has made sense to me why someone would intentionally want to cause somebody harm. Right. You know, and so that someone says, well, wait a minute, you play characters that are bad guys. Yes. But that's when I talk about fully realized human being. Because at some point in that individual's life, that person decided or something happened that they did not fix. Right. That damaged them. Exactly. And now they're moving in that way. Because to play a villain, you must see yourself as the hero. Mm-hmm. If you're going to play it right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know, if 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 uh, if I'm, um, if, if for example... If I'm doing a scene with you, and I say, um, "Excuse me, sir. I know, I know you don't know me," um, and I, it hurts me to even say this. I don't do drugs. A lot of people believe because I'm out here asking for money that I'm a drug addict. I got a family, so anything, anything that you could give to me. I would appreciate. And then you give me something. And then 10 minutes later, you see me around the corner going, yo, give me that. Right, give right. Me that <laughs> right, yeah. See, I let let the story mm-hmm. tell whether I'm a hero or not. Right. But in portraying him, let him portray himself as the hero. Yes. Man. Goosebumps then. <laughs> what's, uh, <laughs> um, what's a sound or noise that you love? Oh, that's a great question. I, I uh, Do you know about the, the, the singing bowls? Yeah, yeah. It does. Okay, yes. Yeah. That sound for me is really healing. Mm-hmm. And I used to take it to my son's school, and it was interesting because it's, it's a lesson in doing what is necessary and then allowing it to happen mm-hmm. rather than trying to make something happen. Right. So if you hold that bowl and you just do that and allow it, it will sing. Right, yeah. If you try to make it, make it, it won't. Right. Right? And um, so so that sound. Huh. Yeah, relaxing. It sort of transforms the space. Right. Wow. So, um, and so last but not least, I want to ask you... Um, you know, heaven exists, you get to God, what would you like him to say to you? Easy. Well done. Well done. Well done. <laughs> On that note, well done. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for you. joining me. Continued it's great. success to you. Thank, Thank you, you so much pleasant. for the opportunity. Oh, of course. Thank you for uh, coming in and having you in the studio. It was an honor. And, uh, man, 
That's incredible. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching, guys, here. Um, go ahead and tell them where to find you. I mean, you got SWAT Season 3 coming out soon yes. on social media. Yes, social media. And also, uh, we will be having another season of Dear White People. Yes, you yes. Know? Dear White People um, coming and, out, too. Um, so, uh, and... Um, there's uh, social media I'm easy to find it's just Obababatunde whether it's uh, Instagram or or Twitter and I do respond he does (laughs) but thank you so much everyone for watching you can see us next week same place same time inside the Black Actors Studio bye bye On behalf of our BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Check out our Black Hollywood Live YouTube page for even more great programming and amazing content. And be sure to subscribe and like our channel when you do. I'm your BHL host, Nakia Monet, and you can find me on all social media at Kiki Boom Boom or at Black Hollywood Live. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood Redefined.